1: So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro flushed hops, cold stored yeast and milled to order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our five points best bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session
0: IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash Malt to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend.
1: Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Happy Friday, beer geeks. Uh, Brad and I can't lie, uh, we're feeling it a little bit today.
0: Little bit bleary, even though it was only four beers last night on the live show. Two of them, but were... I think the
1: average ABV was was. I mean the I think the average ABV was about six and a half,
0: seven-ish. Mm, yes, some big two boys. beers over eight.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I after we finished our live show last night, I made myself some cheese and biscuits and chutney and polished off the rest of the barley wine, which seemed like such a good idea at the time. I was like, I am living. And then I had some really wacky fucking dreams and have a hangover.
0: Wow. Cheese cheese dreams, eh? Cheese, cheese and barley dreams. wine dreams. I bet they're pretty
1: free. <laughs> they're pretty potent, I think, yeah. Um and you said you woke up at four AM on the sofa. So Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. We both uh, you know. That's what you do, man, when you drink a bunch of barley wine before you go to bed. Certainly at our age. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, but the live show was enormous fun. Uh, it was the first one we've done that's just me and Brad in a long time, uh, which involves a lot of talking. I've got quite a croaky throat. I'm doing sort of that classic American podcast. What do they call it? Like breaking, where it's like... Aww i didn't mean to start a podcast um so apologies if that's uh grating in your earholes. but um yeah it was really really good fun um <laughs> people seeing people rip into our go into my golden ale and uh the west coast double ipa was you know it's good to know that all our viewers are honest open people who aren't afraid of giving brutal feedback um so that was nice. Thank you for that. Um, what did you think of the beers? What you could taste of it? Well, given
0: as you... as you about to say, probably I couldn't taste very much with my um, post-COVID uh, lack of taste buds. But um, I thought the mouthfeel was great on all of them, Johnny. It's great. <laughs> um, I, I felt like I could get a bit of like the hedgerow on the, the, um, the green hop one. Hey, cool. So I, c- I could sort of, I went in for a quick whiff and I I definitely got something. But yeah, it's quite fleeting with, with my, uh, I mean, you can hear I'm quite blocked up still. Um, yeah, man, I thought they were, I thought they were potentially all great. I love some of the descriptions you were getting from the comments about what they tasted like. Um, so especially the, the, the green hop one, people were calling it sort of all kinds of strange uh <laughs> countryside uh jumbles of words i can't remember any of them now but i remember they were quite entertaining
1: oh <laughs> I, I can tell you're struggling um uh, mud yeah mud wet leaves <laughs> hedgerows yeah. uh, hedgerows good i'm happy with that one yeah, hetero, yeah and I... and also wet leaves was good yeah yeah mud no didn't want that
0: no i think i don't think i don't think it tasted like mud i think i'd probably be able to taste mud um, <laughs> you reckon yeah yeah, no, I think it was. I think it was tasting great. I think, uh, obviously, that would have been even better on cask. Um, but you know,
1: yeah, but... the, the the strange thing is, it, not only was it much better on cask. Usually, we talk about cask not being so good at sort of um, promoting hoppy flavors, but actually, it felt much hoppier, much more sort of dialed in. Is is the term that a brewer would use in that you you're really getting the flavors. Popping out rather than it sort of being muddy, um, but also it was super clear in cask. So in can it has a real haze to it, which is probably just because you know a cask is is sat there for a couple of days in position before you you vent it and you pour it, um, and obviously my can was moved around in the fridge and whatever. That might be a bit of it, but it was beautifully crystal clear and red and autumnal on cask, and I think it just goes to prove what we've been saying for the last couple of weeks with our our normal show. That cask is the ultimate way to present certain styles.
0: Cask is king, as one of the comments said uh, on the yeah. video. Yeah, great stuff.
1: Absolutely. So, that was a pretty good segue to this week's video, mm. which was, of course, uh, episode three in our series All About Cask, sponsored by Fullers. And this week we were talking about the future of cask ale. So, looking at the new and innovative brewing that's happening around the UK that's trying to inject a bit of modernism into Cars, trying to attract new people into it, and trying to experiment and prove that ale is just a format, you know? It, it's not specific to any style, to any country, to any brewery, to any traditions. You can put whatever you want through it, and if you design it right, it will work super well. And I think, um, I think that beer at Darkstar was, was a really good example of that.
0: Bang in. Very modern, something you would not expect to get from from a cast line. Um, you know, one of the high styles going, and it tasted phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was it was really great, and it looked really great as well. When I was editing the stuff, particularly when we are talking to Henry, um, and I think the bar staff had had crafted it to look absolutely perfect. And you had that wonderful tight white head on the top um, without a sparkler. And it was just, it just looked, I mean, it looked like it was a fresh pour from keg at a brewery. Like it was, it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, and yeah, hopefully we've, we've changed some minds about what's possible on, on cask. Uh, my one regret is that we didn't actually, um, try any of the really wacky beers on cask at Abbeydale. They didn't have any on at that, at that particular point. And because they don't have a tap room, um, it's not sort of just sat there to tuck into. So I wish we'd, we'd been able to try some saisons and stuff on cask. But if you do want to see if that works, we at Forrester Maine in Philadelphia, who also do cask ale, uh, we had a beautiful uh, mixed firm saison of theirs on cask that was bloody great. So we do know it works. Yes, 100%. Um, I'll put a link to that video in the show notes and obviously one to this week's video.
0: Uh,
1: did you find any fun comments, Brad?
0: Yeah, we got quite... Henry... Uh, Head brewer at Darkstar got a lot of love. Um, So Chris Jones (laughs) says, Henry is such a superstar. More of him, please. Mod Grip says, Love that Darkstar's brewer's energy. Whoa. Um, Hardy Yards Brewers said, Thanks, guys. Both Abbeydale and Darkstar are doing great work by the looks. And head brewer Henry is obviously very passionate. You can tell by the way he talks with his hands. That's what brewing needs to change minds and push boundaries. Wicked. So um, yeah, I think I think it was cool. So um, Emma got a bit of love as well. Uh, ben from Film Buster said, "Fantastic installment. I want to go for a drink with Emma. She seemed great. So I think you know it was we we had some real great talent on that episode. Talk, you know, the people were so passionate that we were talking to you about the future of Cask um, in Henry and Emma that I think it really came across and hopefully got everyone quite excited about it. Because I think, you know, um, all, all of these, these new styles that like Henry and, and, and they're doing up in Abbeydale and stuff, that just seems to be going from strength to strength. And I, I can imagine them, that becoming more of of their core beer and more of the sort of output being the kind of future forward stuff for the, for those particular breweries. So I thought it was really exciting.
1: Yeah and we definitely need those breweries um in in the in the craft beer scene in the UK because that's where we're going to get a bit more diversity rather than having loads of New England IPA on cars on on keg you know having it in a different format having breweries that may say yeah we love doing modern beers but we're going to put it through the traditional british serve um I think is is really really lovely and can add some diversity when New England IPA dominates whatever uh, whatever pub you're in um and hopefully they'll keep pushing that forward like i mean Darkstar have the creme brulee um which isn't to my taste but is you know a really really popular beer and i think that's great on cars because it brings out that kind of sweet treacly caramelly um kind of flavor of, of, of creme brulee much better than it would when you've got loads of spiky co2 in there um and to see saisons and stuff like that pour traditionally, as Jim sort of mentioned when we were chatting to him, you know that's how it all would have been. It used to be just stick a tap in a in a barrel and pour it from that. Um, so although it's super modern, it's also looking back at the 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 real traditions of, of well serving beer anywhere in the world. That's how it all had to be. Um, so making sure that that little bit of heritage still survives um, and is presented as, as super modern is is really cool. Nice. Um... W- so we had lots of technical questions. I think lots of people were blown away by the idea that you could do New England IPA successfully on cask. Um, and most of the comments around that were around the uh, the issue of oxidation. So obviously we've talked a lot on the channel about oxidized beer um, and how New England IPA in particular is really susceptible to oxidation. And that's that process where oxygen's in there, it breaks down and mutes all of the hot flavors in there. It slowly turns the beer brown and that's why we should all drink New England IPA as fresh as we can and keep it cold but obviously with cask there's a couple of issues with that the first one being if you've seen all the videos of us of, of us definitely not us of uh, brewers filling casks you know it's it's quite an open process you have essentially a hose that's shooting beer into a barrel with a big hole in the top so it's not like when you can or when you keg where it's almost almost a closed transfer and you can purge the CO2 out of it Um, the reason that it can still work is because you're re-fermenting in that cask you're creating that secondary fermentation that creates um, creates CO2 and bubbles in the beer and that will protect uh, the beer from a lot of the oxygen, so uh, that fermentation process should suck up lots of oxygen because um, yeast needs oxygen to uh, to ferment, uh, which should leave almost no oxygen in the cask. So that's how it kind of works. Then um, the issue is that you do have to store it a little bit warmer to ensure you get that secondary fermentation. So that breaks the rule a little bit of keeping these New England IPAs cold. Um, But they can still survive, you know, a couple of days at a warmer temperature. It's only one or two degrees of of gravity before it's ready to serve. Um, And then the other issue is, of course, once you vent it and once you start pouring, you're pulling oxygen in. So you're going to get oxidation starting to happen. And, you know, that happens with all cask ale, usually over about three days. But with this beer, I think Henry said in the video, like he wanted it gone in 24 hours or else he was worried it was going to gonna turn. So that is what's going to really hold hold New England IPA and cask back, I think. Um, and, you know, you can add stuff like ascorbic acid, which can reduce the effects of oxidation. But, yeah, always it's going to be a little bit trickier to get this right, which is why was it, it, it was a Thursday, wasn't it? We were at, uh, um, yeah, at the yeah, evening star. It. So it was, it was going to be busy. Um, and they had done that on purpose to make sure they got through it. So, yeah, we had loads of questions about that, so I won't read out any specific ones, but thank you very much for everyone that queried that because that's something we didn't... We did actually have it. We did have a chat with Henry about that, um, and it got lost, uh, I say lost, edited out, because the first draft of this video was an hour and a half long. (laughs) It it was full documentary style. (laughs) Um, So, sadly, we also had to cut quite a lot of our chat with Emma as well. Um, And I'm always sort of trying to think... Um, of ways we could use all that stuff that gets cut. So we've got yeah, probably another fifteen minutes of Henry, another fifteen minutes uh, with Pat and Sue at Abbeydale, and probably another half hour with me and Emma. Um, but I just I don't know what we can uh, what we can do with that. Um, but you know, if anybody has any ideas, maybe it's a series of podcasts of out of context chats with brewers and beer geeks. Hmm. Could be. Brad, see, it does not seem enthused. Fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for all of the comments and thanks for enjoying that. Next week, uh, we are in Margate, although on the live show, somebody confused Margate with Marmite uh, and got very confused about us being in Margate, um, which was hilarious to see after the live show finished. Um, we are in Margate, which is a town on the south coast, uh, investigating the micro pub scene, the explosion of, of beautiful little pubs down there, that is, I'd say one of one of your great passions, the micro pub, Brad.
0: Oh, I absolutely love it, mate. Yeah, I feel very at home in a quirky micro pub. Um, they're just they're just brilliant. They're just little expressions of people's personalities. You can get much more passionate than a a micro pub owner. Um, they each one of those people. They're living their individual dream. Uh, they're their own boss. They're the they're master of their own destiny, and they put all of their love and you know art and whatever their interest is trains there's even a train theme one down there um there's a sort of magic bar i wouldn't call that a micropub necessarily but there's all kinds of quirky little micropubs down there that um we we sort of just sort of uh, jump into this world for for the next episode so all very exciting This
1: summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my event's calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off A ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's lots of uh, very funny moments uh, that happened to us on our one-day pub crawl of uh, Margate and Broadstairs. Yeah, man. Um, So we've got a question this week. Uh, If you want to send a question that we will either read out or if you send a recording, we'll play it on the podcast. Um, You can send that to craftbeerboys at gmail.com. But this week we have a question, a very suitable question about cask uh, from Stuart Cockrum uh, and specifically about a topic we've been avoiding, which is the sparkler.
0: Hi, everyone, Johnny. It's great to see you jumping in cask.
1: But I've got a question about the most divisive issue in Bay. Sparkler or no sparkler? So I've got a few questions. Are you guys sparkler or no sparkler? What are the origins of the sparkler? And why is there such a north-south divide on this issue? Cheers guys and keep up the great work. So thanks for sending that, Stuart. The first question was: Are we Sparkler or no Sparkler, uh, Bradley? Are you Sparkler or no Sparkler?
0: I think I'm Sparkler. Why not? I mean, it adds it adds something. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I, I just I just like it. It's a bit of theatre, isn't it? It adds that sort of uh, creaminess, which is cool. Okay, uh, and I,
1: I am no Sparkler. Oh, that's that's um, handy. Most well, mostly no Sparkler. I if if there, if if. The beer isn't in great condition so it's not got loads of um, loads of co2 in, in solution giving us that lovely prickly mouthfeel and carbonation then I'd want a sparkler on it I think you can rescue a badly conditioned pint with a sparkler but generally I'd go no sparkler because I think that the body's there um, and the, the creaminess won't suit all styles as well I don't really want a creamy bitter. <clears throat> I'd love a creamy mild. I think it's, you know, it's horses for courses, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so I, I flip between the two. And when I'm in the North, I obviously have a sparkler. I'm not going to tell a Northerner to take a sparkler off in their own pub. Um, but generally, yeah, I prefer prefer it without. And I think that a good pint doesn't need it. And we've seen lots of great pints being poured without sparklers in this series, including um, at the Southampton Arms. That shot. Uh, I think it's in the intro of all of the videos um, poured uh, at the Southampton from a distance, and there's just so much beautiful head coming off of it. Is that a yarl? Um Because it's well-kept. I think it was a yarl, yeah, yeah and yeah. it was in beautiful, looked, beautiful form. real nice. Yeah, don't need a sparkler for that.
0: I guess I'm the same, actually. Now I can think about it, I'm probably... It's, it, it's a maybe a more honest representation of beer without a sparkler. Um, do we think mm. that a sparkler is almost a little bit of a cheeky device to hide some of the sort of, uh, it, it kind of hides some of the, the flavors and stuff, doesn't it? And And it's a way of potentially tarting up a beer that maybe not is not at its best.
1: So I can answer that question as we answer Stuart's question. Kill two birds with one stone. Uh, The second question was, what are the origins of the beer sparkler? So this week I dug into that and I found a great blog. uh, I'll put the link in the show notes uh, to the origins of the beer sparkler and what it was originally intended for. So it seems that in 1885, a guy called George Barker, Uh, applied for a patent for his invention, which was basically a ball with lots of holes in that you could pour beer from, and he called it an aerator. Um, And in sort of the, I guess it's an advert or it's someone else talking about it, um, it says Barker's patent aerator of beer, stout, porter and other liquors is a new invention likely soon to be seen in every bar for improving the flavour and appearance especially of beer. So I think the key there is appearance especially Mm -hmm. of beer. So I think what it does is it's not rescuing bad pints. What it's doing is guaranteeing that the pint will look good. So to me, what a sparkler does is it actually can kind of ruin good pints a little bit and it can rescue the pints that aren't quite as good. Um so that's what it does it sort of it it guarantees a decent looking pint and a decent flavored pint um and later on in the advert they even say you know flat beer drawn through the cast becomes quite palatable so that was that was the original intention It, it was to rescue flat beer
0: and what what it essentially does right is it it's aerating isn't it so it's bringing oxygen into the beer and kind of like livening it it's just agitated the beer basically
1: like if you, you know, if you, if you shake up a can and then open it, the head that comes out is really creamy. Yes. It's not sort of big bubbles. It's like a, a jet of foam, like when they do it after F1 races as well. So it's it, it's basically it's aeration. It's creating texture. It's pushing. It probably is pushing oxygen in there and it's stripping out CO2. Well,
0: what, I, um, what I was thinking is if you're pushing oxygen in there, are you sort of killing flavour? Are you losing flavour? because you're you're kind of getting you almost oxid oxidizing it instantly I, th-
1: I think longer term you would I don't think oxidation is quick enough yeah that it would happen while you were drinking the pint. I'm not quite sure. Um, I wonder if there have been studies. That, that can be my research for next week. I'll come back to you and let you know if you do oxidise your beers by doing it. But I'd imagine you do. I'd imagine you are increasing the amount of oxygen because you're increasing the amount of surface area as it goes through those ball those holes in the ball. Yeah, that's um, what I was
0: thinking. It's, you're you're yeah. sort of separating it into a million little pieces. like you're almost mincing it as it's coming out yeah <laughs> and then it's sort of coming back together as it as it goes through the, the end of the sparkler so for me it feels like you're just introducing lots of air essentially yeah. into yeah well aerator. i guess it's called
1: an aerator so you're probably yeah. right yeah yeah um so yeah so i mean as, as with all things in life i think the answer to sparkler or no sparkler has to be it depends
0: <laughs> when in the north um
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So then the final question from Stuart was, why is it a northern thing? And I can can only um, guess as to that. Um, It was invented in Wigan. um, So I presume it would have spread out from there slowly but surely. Um, And so, you know, I guess that's why, you know, it didn't spread all the way down south. Maybe it was seen as a northern thing by the time it got to the south and... um, uh, and and the Southerners weren't so interested in it. We're, you know, um, we're talking
0: about beer culture here as well. It's it's sort of has a locality to it. Um, that's kind of what the whole series is about. A, a cask is about, you know, it being of this land. And we've, mm-hmm. I think, the sparkler is sort of that's an even more localized kind of tradition. That I, and I think it, it is tradition as well, right? So it's what what you know those kind of communities want out of their cast beer versus what maybe a lot of southern beer communities want out of their beer which is different um, yeah absolutely which is which is also exciting because you know it's like a, it's like a different dialect or yeah it's just hyper localized sort of um differences
1: yeah and i really enjoy that regionality to it mm. um just before we move on, because uh, I realise I'm going to give the link to this blog, there's a sentence in there which I just have to—I have to flag because it's complete nonsense. Um, where he says, "Without the sparkler, cask ale pours flat with a loose, thinnish head that dissipates quickly." No, no, <laughs> uh, absolutely not. That is a bad pint of cask. If you if you have a good pint of cask. Poured not through a sparkler, you should still get a wonderfully slightly looser but still tight head that will remain for the entirety of the pint. So that's all we've got time for this week. All that's left is a couple of quick announcements. So the first one is that on Sunday, we have another feature-length bubble podcast going live with me and Rob, uh, and we are interviewing Oric Digital, Peter and Aaron um, of Oric Digital, who are a games developer. Uh, They're working on a homebrew game called Brewmaster, um, which is sort of probably for non-homebrewers so that you can learn the process and make beer at home, and it's sort of a a hobby sim, I think is the phrase that they use. Uh, so we talk about that very exciting development that hopefully uh, Craft Beer Channel are going to be a bit involved in. Um, and then on top of that, we also talk about the, uh, the games development uh, industry, which has a lot in common with beer. Uh, worker exploitation, for one. Uh, big versus... Indie uh, producers, science versus art, uh, lots of stuff that we talk about in the beer industry really applies to games dev as well. So it's a really interesting podcast. Um, Peter and Erin are super open and, and honest about the issues in their industry, uh, which very much mirror ours. Um, the other thing, what was the other thing to mention, Brad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The other thing to mention is that obviously this has been a really tough week in craft beer. If you've been following along, um, it's it's the McKellar Beer Celebration this weekend, which is a festival run by McKellar, who have been accused literally, I think, hundreds of times now since the sort of the Me Too movement in beer kicked off um, of you know, examples of sexual harassment, toxic workplace culture, sexism, um, all around their businesses around the world. Um, so lots of brews have been boycotting that festival and lots of campaigners have been calling for that. Um, and we've supported those campaigners. And we just want to say that if the, you guys have any ideas about how we can you know, put a formal complaints process in place, get a code either in the UK or internationally... Um, to make sure that these issues don't happen again, to make sure that there's consequences for breweries uh, that are creating toxic work cultures and, and really damaging people's lives, then we'd love to hear from you. We want to be part of the solution. So our DMs are open on all of our socials. You can email us at craftbeerboys at com, or you, know, you can join our Discord and talk to lots of like-minded people on there. And we've been talking a lot about that um over the last week in our Patreon Discord. So please do get in touch. Um, dialogue is the way to get through this for sure. Um, and I think that's everything, Bradley, yeah?
0: That's it, man. Love and beer for another week. Love and beer.
1: The Bubble and Friday 5pm podcasts are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash the Craft Beer channel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum. A positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and homebrewing. Love and beer.